Hey everyone, this is Deacon Jim Runner from Forefront Church coming to you again. And if you listened all the way to the end of the last Forefront Conversations podcast with Yana Bennett, you already know what to expect here. An interview with Brittany Kahn and Kim Owens, who are not just the co-leaders of the singled out small group here at Forefront, but they also were the ones who handled the interviewing duties in that episode. This was a great and important conversation to have, not just because we learn about the genesis of the group and what one can expect if they sign up and attend, but also because we dig deep into the mission that Brittany and Kim have behind the group, which is, to put it simply, to recapture and recontextualize this idea of what it means to be single and that people have value as human beings no matter what their relationship status is, despite the fact that even in the church, being single and having a sexual history has been stigmatized and really has been used to shame people, specifically women, into adhering to a certain ideal or behaving in a certain specific way that benefits these systems. The first thing that they would both want you to know is that they are not experts. They don't have all the answers. They are just people that have a passion for Christ and a compassion for other human beings and they want to uplift and affirm people because of who they are, not because of who they may potentially one day be or because of where they may eventually end up in life. So it was a really great and inspiring conversation. And if you get a lot of value out of this and you want to learn more, be sure to go to ForefrontNYC.com backslash groups. Click on the small groups link and you can find out more about Singled Out. They meet every Tuesday night virtually and i really highly encourage you to check it out if you're interested because i'm very excited about the two of them the work they're doing in the world in this church and for people uh Brittany and kim thanks a lot for setting up this conversation for wanting to take part in this conversation i think especially now uh in the pandemic and the fact that we're doing everything remotely and there's there's sort of a general lack of of interpersonal community, people might be kind of scrolling through the Forefront Group's Facebook page or, um, you know, even the website, just kind of seeing what kind of groups are on passing through or or passing past singled out and just being like, well, that sounds kind of cool. But they see it on paper and there's only so much context. So could you two talk about singled out, the genesis of the group, what the group's mission is, and just anything to kind of flesh out this idea of what this group is that, that you just can't do just kind of reading about it online? Yeah, I, um, I'll speak to it first, if that's okay, Brittany, and I know you'll bring it in <laughs> like you always do. You always have really good points. Um, I think, yeah, I think with the single out group, it's, it's for men and women that um, are either partnered or not partnered or, you know, celibate, not celibate. Um, if you identify as being single, then, you know, the group is for you. Um, also, when we made this group, uh, we, we definitely wanted to make this group a group that was not about finding the one or finding tips and tricks to find the one or advice. I mean, yeah, that, that is available, but that's not the whole theme or point of the group. The group um, Singled Out is just loving being single and finding people in the, in the Bible that are single and how God has used them throughout their life um, and just how God, you know, not only used them throughout their life, but just how God used them, period, right? Um, And I think it's so important um, being single to recognize that, to recognize uh, the beauty of being single, the beauty of 
God being able to use you whenever, any way, right? You're not tied down by a family or tied down by whatever the case, right? So it's just a great group to kind of connect to and really um, grow and not, not only grow as a person, I think, but also growing your love of being single. I think that that's something that I've continued to grow in. And I, I just love, I love the group and I love what it represents. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm going to answer the other part of Jim's question, which had more to do with the genesis of the group. Um, Kim, I, I think you spoke to it really well. Um, the one caveat I do want to add is that while, while the group is about loving being single, uh, you don't have to love being single. And I think that's something that we really want to hit on is um, Kim and I, there are times that we'll talk and uh, you know, we'll feel like we're on top of the world and we're badass women just doing our own thing and single and dependent. Yeah. Uh, and then there are other times where, you know, we'll grab a tub of ice cream and, and, and say, oh my gosh, I feel so alone. Because uh, part, part of this group is exploring, hey, there are many emotions that come with it and that's okay. You don't have to feel like a strong independent person all the time. True, true. Um, you know, that's definitely one of the myths that, that, that we get around being single is either uh, you're someone to be pitied or um, you are strong, independent, don't need anybody. Uh, when really it's honestly a, a mix of the two. Um, so, so the genesis of our group. Um, <laughs> we have really, uh, really lovely newcomers gathering uh, right before the pandemic uh, last year. It was in February, and I went. I went because I love meeting new people, um, and I was actually there to represent the study I was attending at the time. And at that time, I remember being at this event and thinking, you know, "This would be really, really cool if we had something like this for single people." Because uh, as, as I was talking to people there, I was realizing there were a lot of single people there. And I was like, hey, this would be really, really cool if, you know, we did something for us. So uh, I spoke to Sarah and Sarah was like, that's a great idea. Um, definitely info uh, to Mackenzie and, and, and I'll, I'll put you in touch with Sammy about groups. And I was like, what? Groups? I was just thinking an, an event. So um, of course I planned this event for April. It was in the books, it was ready to go. But as we know, pandemic happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of felt this in me. I was like, well, single people probably need a group now more than ever now that we're super isolated. But uh, I, I know that if this is something that's actually meant to be, God will probably appoint somebody else because I'm just not at a place to, to do this right now. <laughs> and uh, about a week later after having that thought, if you want to call that thought a prayer or whatever you want to call it, I received an email um, from Sammy about someone, actually it was from Caroline, I'm sorry, it was from Caroline, about someone in the church who was interested in starting a group for singles. And I was like, okay. Kind of when you have those moments where like, you just like kind of look at God and you're like, all right, you got me. 
<laughs> so it was, it was one of those things, um, ended up having a really wonderful phone call with Kim that went really amazingly uh secret kim and i only actually met in person one time though we've probably spent hours talking if you add it up <laughs> um <Yeah>. but <laughs> we've probably spent days talking we've only met in person one time but that was the genesis of singled out your attitude at the beginning of it at least sort of like well someone else can do this and like wait I, i'm reminded of i think it's a quote that's attributed to mother Teresa, where it was like you know i, I know the lord won't give me anything i can't handle I just wish that God wouldn't trust me so much. <laughs> exactly. That's essentially it. That's, that's essentially it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's great that there's a group that's talking about this and sitting with it because as you, as you said and, and hit upon already, this idea of being single, even as we've all kind of experienced as we've been trying to interview or arrange interviews and support this stuff is singleness is still looked upon as kind of a transitionary um, existence, really. Like, well, if you're single, it's because you're on the path to trying to find someone or um, you have just, you know, or you're taking a beat because you just got out of something with someone with always this idea that like singleness is a pathway to someone else. And um, so I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about this, uh, about like just these different ideas of what it, is to be single because even even when it comes to the bible the the primary example people point to is paul who's like paul was like i'm going to be single so i can dedicate my life to god and then people like see what a wonderful example but that's not the only type of singleness there is mm -hmm. so um what i find fascinating about this jim is that um for a religion that's so obsessed with uh, the nuclear family. Um, it really is ironic considering their number one icon is someone who is single. <laughs> and, and a man too, where the, the, the societal stigma or pressures are, are experienced in a totally different way from, you know, a man to a woman as well. Right. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and so, when we examine being single, um, this idea of the nuclear family that is so prevalent in what we now know as modern day Christianity was not always the case. This was certainly not always the case, um, especially, uh, and we're, we're, we're exploring this now, really going into the history of how um, the New Testament was canonized and, and things like that. Um, this idea of a nuclear family really didn't start being emphasized until the mid 1900s with with uh, James Dobson. Uh, uh, he's that wonderful man who started Focus on the Family. If you are familiar, <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Uh, so now we're really see well when when the Bible was originally canonized. Um, in the fourth century, that's when we really start seeing the beginning of orthodoxy and women being oppressed and we see these power structures. Now, fast forward a couple of centuries or a lot of centuries, uh, we go to the 1900s. Now, um, they're really, as we know, the church has done a lot of gatekeeping, but the focus was on gatekeeping sex 
The focus was gatekeeping Christianity. I mean, if you look back at the early Catholic church, right? There was gatekeeping with the poor where we're gonna keep out the poor. There is always some level of exclusivity when we come to this church with a big C. Um, however, none of it is biblical. In fact, though there are certain uh, people in the Bible that are vocal about this, there's never any point where God or Jesus ever takes a formal stance on sex or marriage. Um, we definitely see uh, what, what I find interesting is Jesus is very, very clear on divorce. Um, but things like that tend to be more ignored. Um, I'm not saying whether it's wrong or right, but what I am saying is that uh, those people who are gatekeeping are cherry picking um, which parts they would like to enforce and which parts they would not like to enforce. So um, if, if you grew up, a lot of our members, a lot of our members are millennials who grew up in the evangelical church uh in in the 90s and if you grew up in the evangelical church in the 90s um you were probably exposed to purity culture um which was a latent effect of james dobson's wonderful work um but purity culture basically for those that are listening those that uh are not familiar with it it's this it's this uh very uh formal dec declaration that um you are supposed to make when you are, I was 13, um, that you will wait until marriage um, before having sex. Um, and this really, for lack of a better word, Jim, I'm not sure how language is on your show. Um, this really fucked up our <laughs> collective view of sex and partnership. Um, not just for those of us who are still single, but also those of us who maybe felt pressured to get married at a very, very young age. Um, so what we do in our group is we are re-examining what, what is my identity outside of a relationship? How can I build that? What is my identity in Christ? Period. End of story. If, if, if we have a partner, they can add to that. That's wonderful. But we are chosen for who we are, not being half of a whole partnership. Yeah, I think you said that beautifully, Brittany. So I, I don't really have much to add to that. <laughs> well, I, I guess, um, uh, I mean, you, you bring up important points. And even on this podcast before, we've talked to um, Linda K. Klein about this idea of purity culture. And she was the author of a book called pure uh, inside the evangelical movement that shamed a generation of young women and how I broke free. And it's, I don't want to say fascinating, but it is, there is something which is um, peak something in me where you've talked about how the contemporary church ties in sex to coupling and partnership so much. And there still is something so inextricably tied to sexual partners outside of the context of marriage. I think with the, the, the whole sex talk, I mean, we've, me and Brittany have had this talk with the group. I think the thing is the first and foremost, we need to say that like, we don't have all the answers, right? We're still digging, we're still exploring. 
you know, our own faith and how that ties to our sexuality as a single woman. Um, now, you know, that's what I'm going to say. We'll stop. Like, we don't have the answers. Like, we're digging together. And I think, um, you know, I think it's something you really have to dig and figure out on your own and your own relationship with God and just be like, okay, this is my relationship with God. This is how I feel. Like, for instance, there's different people in the, in the, in our group that, that has decided I'm going to be celibate. That's your choice. That's your decision. No problem. Nobody's going to look down on you. Nobody's going to say anything. Right. There's other people that have chosen to be more sexual. That's your choice. We're not going to look down on you. That's just, that's, that, that is what you have decided. And if you have, you know, feel like, I don't, I don't know if I'm putting this eloquently as I would like, but if you have decided that that is the path you want to go, then that's, I'm not going to look down on you because I'm going to assume that you've, that you, you've already decided in your heart, like what's best. Right. And you've already prayed on it and, and all that jazz. Right. Um, so again, this is, this is your decision on what you want to do. And it's funny because me and Brittany has had this conversation with uh, a new person, right? Brittany, like that just wanted to join. And she's like, what's your stance on it? And that's exactly what we said. We said, we don't have all the answers. We're not going to look down on you. This is you and your relationship with God, period. Right. And she was just like, wow, like, this is like a breath of fresh air. She's like, this is literally the first time I've ever heard anybody say this. And, and I was and, blown away by that. Yeah, and, 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 and she actually started like tearing up because she yeah. was like, this is how I felt, but, but I've never found a community that, that, you know, feels this way. So Kim hit the nail on the head. We take a, your body, your choice approach. So if we ever use the term sex positive, it's not to say we are pushing people to go out and have sex. We are saying, Hey, whatever you want to do with your body is your choice. Your body is a gift given to you by God. It is yours. So that, that being said, there are also some points or fun stories to explore in the Bible. Like um, um, the Song of Solomon is, a, it's kind of a funny read because it, it definitely <laughs> doesn't translate well from the original Aramaic, but it's the story of two young lovers who are lusting after each other. They are, they are unmarried but they're so obsessed with each other. Now, when I say funny, it means, you know, her breast was as white as a goat's teat. Like, it, it... If you were anything like me and maybe Brittany and Kim, this is your experience too. Growing up in an evangelical community, they tried to tell us that this was about a person's relationship with God. And like, I don't, are you reading the text? Are we reading the same Bible here? Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's, that is also something that we've explored, Jim, in, in, in our group. We're, we're so obsessed. So as we've been told, that's the relationship of God with the church, right? That's what we've always been taught about that particular book. But something else that we explore in our group um, is we have this very patriarchal view of God, God, the father, boom, the end done. Now for women and for men to a degree, that really messes us up in the brain sexually. Why? Because he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows what you're doing. And it's like, ah! But God's love is, is agape. And that, that embraces all 
forms and all types of love. And so there, there's nothing about our bodies that we shouldn't embrace and that we should be ashamed of. And that's something that's part of our identity, which again, we keep on circling back to that word, but it's such an important word because if you form your identity as I'm waiting for my husband or I'm waiting for my wife or I'm waiting for my one true love, that, that Disney princess ending, you're gonna be unfulfilled. I know people that have waited till marriage, they did all the you know right things, they put all the check marks in the good evangelical teen book and they're still unhappy. Re relationships don't make you happy. They can add to your happiness, but they are not the end all and be all. And I think that that is a really, really, really big point. I also think now Kim laughs at me because I always bring up sex, <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> But I think it's important because we're not talking about it in church at all. Why? It makes people uncomfortable. Why? Because God's the father. Um, and we don't talk about sex in front of family. But at the end of the day, um, our, our, and I keep on circling back to this, our body is a gift. And we, in, in our group, we really strive to strip away the shame surrounding that. If you want to remain celibate, that is absolutely your choice. That's between you and God, that's a beautiful thing. If you wanna be more sexually active, that is between you and God, that is your thing, but it is your choice, it is your body. I love this idea and I love that you bring in this idea of choice and identity because now Brittany swore, so it gives me permission to swear as well because one of like a really thing about celibacy is how it's been used as a as a cudgel really against lgbtqia uh church members because even if you know you read a book or you speak to someone who is not going to be outwardly derogatory towards them it's still this whole thing of like well we have to embrace celibacy in the single community because well that's how we approach our our, our homosexual congregants as we encourage them to be celibate and it's this idea of um celibacy is only embraced as a it's not even a choice it's like this is something you have to do um and so it's hurtful and destructive towards some people and then also uh, uh, another thing it does is sort of makes celibacy a almost a punishment and kind of takes agency away from both people and from an action yeah i, I think it's interesting because um the church i was a part of was is was a non-denominational Christian church that had churches all over the world. Now, it's funny how they viewed celibacy because first of all, the women were definitely like, you were watched, like you were just watched. Like not only were you moving in with people that are part of the church, you were being watched. You, you know, every facet of your life, you were being watched. You know, I don't mean to be like, but that's the bottom line. <laughs> like anybody that was a part of this church knows you were watched at all times. Now, the funny thing is with the men, they were given a free pass. And how I know that <laughs> is from talking to different people that have left the church and were like, oh, well, the men got to do whatever they wanted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, us women, we were just like, you know, we were washed tooth and nail, but the guys just got to just do whatever you want, but just keep it on the DL. 
and it's just disgusting, you know? And once you said that, I, was, I thought of that. And I was like, wow, you know, like, it's just, it's just terrible. Um, but uh, the, the whole celibacy thing, I think it's, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm for it, you know, for sure. Like for those who feel like, you know what, like, I want to be celibate. And that's your choice because, hey, for different reasons, this is what I've cho chosen to do. No problem, right? But I feel like even with that decision, you have to pick it apart because you have to think, am I doing this because of my past? You know, and I feel guilty because if I'm not celibate, then I feel like God is not going to uh, accept me. You know, so that's something I really had to pick apart. You know, why do I want to be celibate? You know, am I celibate because of my past and what I had to deal with? And it's just ingrained in your psyche. You can't take it up. You can't take it out, right? You have to like really dig and be like, okay, why am I being celibate? Like, is this really for God? Or is this for some, you know, picture of what, you know, I think God is you know, is, am I seeing God through the lens of my old church or am I seeing God through the lens of what now, the progressive thoughts that I now have after my, re after reading the Bible, after knowing the con going back and looking at the Bible in a different light through the, through the new context. Right. So it's like, that's why I have to really dig and figure out why am I celibate? Like what's, what's my choice there? And is it, is it based on a real thing? As someone who is not a perfect zero or one on the Kinsey scale, um, I do want to speak to the original question that you had um, about queer people um, and the gatekeeping surrounding that, because that is 100% political. Um, yeah. It's 100% political, because up until very recently, People of the same sex could not get married in the United States. So, and in many countries, they still cannot. So this is extremely political because if you're saying wait till marriage, it's, it's a very, very easy excuse to say, well, it's not that I have anything against gay people, but you can't get married. So, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of weaponizing with celibacy, with sex and celibacy, um, both ends of the spectrum. They yeah. are completely politicized and weaponized and used to gatekeep people within the church <laughs> because what makes us feel good? Jesus loves everybody or Jesus loves me a little bit more than you mm, yeah. because I'm rich, because I'm straight, because I'm cis, because I'm white, mm. whatever it is, all of these things, all of these things have been used to gatekeep people from God, essentially. Yeah. I think like also to be fair, there are scriptures in the Bible that talks about sex, like sexual immorality, yada, yada, yada. And I think people will use those scriptures to say this is the reason why I believe what I believe yeah which is fair right they're using the bible 
But I think also, I and I want to say this to make sure you're not taking scripture, not you, but like mm-hmm. people in general, not taking scriptures out of context. You got to go back. You got to read. You got to figure out where did where why did they say that why did they say the things that they did in yeah. the time frame that they were in, right? And I think Jonathan does this beautifully <laughs> with his research and looking into the scriptures and right. uh, the different things that he's come up with when it comes to sex and different different, different things that, we, that he's talked about. But I think I, I definitely want to throw that out there that, you know, yeah. there and are scriptures in the Bible. And I, I, and I want us to, yeah. like, well, go ahead, Brittany. I think you're going to speak to it. No, it's, 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 it's speaking to exactly what you're saying. So, um, and I remember Jonathan preaching on this. Uh, when Paul is writing his epistles, he does put a lot of emphasis on sexual immorality. And that is hard to ignore. Um, But in those epistles, uh, in modern day Greece and Turkey, in those areas at the time, there was a lot of overlap with pagan cults. A lot of these were pagan sex cults. And so what was happening was these new converts, so to speak, were still having orgies like outside the church. There was, or, or they were trying to incorporate it into their worship right? So there was a lot of overlap of some really dicey things. And so Paul is directly addressing those behaviors. Um, I mean, there were literally church prostitutes. Um, so, So when it talks about women cutting their hair, a lot of the church prostitutes would have short hair and that's how they were marked. That's how you knew who they were. So when Paul says these things to women about the way that they should wear their hair, it's so that they don't get, that they don't get confused with the (laughs) church prostitutes of the day. But of course, these things have been weaponized again and again and again and again. Um, And they're weaponized so easily. And so what do we choose to focus on? We focus on that which affects us. There are no more pagan sex cults happening, but I sure know that there are LGBTQIA people and they make me real uncomfortable. And I'm pretty sure that's not what God would want. So I'm gonna lay out these rules and I'm in power so I can do that. I would also recommend um, for more context on this kind of stuff that Brittany is, is talking about. And there, there's a wonderful book called Unclobber, Rethinking Our Misuse of the Bible on Homosexuality. And it, it's called that because those passages that people often cite for like, well, Paul says this about homosexuality and there's this Bible verse are called the clobber passages because it's, you know, to, to basically shame someone and beat them into submission. And the book goes into great detail to kind of talk about those kind of things. What Brittany was talking about, like, well, here's, Here's actually some context. Let's just not take words and throw them at people, even though that's what's been going on for, I don't know, hundreds of years. And it's, it's absolutely horrible. Um, I, I also, I wanted to, to ask the both of you about, I guess, your approach in the group. I mean, and how, what does the engagement look like? I mean, do you, do you kind of uh, do like what some, like a, a biblet group would do where it's like, we're going to talk about this book or is it just kind of a more like, Hey, show up and we'll kind of hang out. Like how, how can, when, when a person shows up to single out, what can they kind of expect as the experience to kind of help them sort of learn more about choice and their identity and just kind of loving who they are kind of. We definitely go through a series. Um, I think the first series was da- daddy issues or, 
no, it was identity. And then it was daddy issues. So we go through different like series. So at the moment we're focusing on women in the Bible that are single and what can we pull from that and really learn from these women. And uh, that's something we're on. So when people come into the group, um, that's kind of what we're on at the moment is series. And we do icebreakers, we do a happy 10, where we play a game, but lately that hasn't been happening because we've been so engrossed in these conversations, these fruitful conversations that we haven't had time to play a game, <laughs> but it's fine. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because that just shows that the conversation is so rich. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and part of these series, um, part of these series is breaking down the historical textual context because you can't just look at the Bible and take it at face value. You know, this is at least when we're looking at the New Testament, this is a 2000 year old text. And a lot of it is second or third hand accounts. And they, and they are written by specific people. And that's the other thing about Paul's epistles. Paul was a man. He was a very specific man with his own thoughts in his own time. Um, and that is not, I'm not going to say that's not God's word. It, it is included in the Bible. But we need to look at everything as it was written and through a lens. We need to be able to look through their eyes as they were writing it. So that's part of what we do as well. Um, we're currently looking, as Kim said, at women in the gospels um, and why, why were some of their stories erased from time and why were certain things focused on and why were other things ignored. Um, I, I, I will say in our group for anybody that's listening and anybody that feels interested in joining, uh, we do cover things like um, trauma uh, or sexual trauma specifically. Um, I, I do wanna issue a trigger warning for those that are tuning in and maybe thinking about joining. We do cover some really, really heavy things in our group. Um, but I will say that's also part of the closeness that we have with the people in our group. Uh, we have some really dedicated members that have you know, been members since day one and, and they wouldn't miss a week. Um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing because we formed a community together, together um, even in this pandemic. I think it's awesome that this group is happening and that this conversation is happening because Full disclosure to listeners, one of the reasons that um, I think this group exists and why this specific episode exists is even just in the process of trying to seek out people who can come on and speak to singleness and the significance of it. Even in 2021, even in a progressive church, there's still so little conversation and so few voices which are talking about these things, which we've just mentioned, which is sex affirming, um, you know, uh, gender uh, and sexuality affirming, and just this, this kind of place of like, uh, you know, because even think of, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to call out any church, I don't want to, but it, I mean, even look at like some popular mainstream churches, or even like a, a progressive church in your neighborhood, and it's like, who are the people that are typically in the leadership roles? It's the married people, it's the one with the families, and so even if the message is not, you should get married, imagine being a single person kind of coming in and seeing who is given the platform, who is elevated, just kind of 
what does that uh, implicitly or, or um, inherently say to someone who's like, do I need to be different if I'm going to reach a, a certain point? I mean, absolutely. Uh, and this is part of, I, I think this is why sex is such a big part of the discussion, or at least one of the reasons. Um, in the church, if someone is single and they're not actively celibate, especially a woman, mm-hmm. um, if someone's single and not actively celibate, it makes things uncomfortable because then sex is on the table and that's not godly, right? Mm-hmm. It makes people very, very uncomfortable. Um, is this person going to be dating, but they're still looking to find the one, right? And we get this idea of singleness being a liminal state. Um, either they had to have dedicated their lives to Christ in an act of celibacy, or they found the perfect nuclear family. And so there's not, a, I'm glad with Forefront, we are having representation now, but um, there, but there wasn't always, even in the progressive Forefront, right? And there hasn't been historically in the church for a very, very long time, except in Jesus's early church. Unfortunately, our church does not quite resemble Jesus's early church. But um, in in modern Christianity or what we know it as now, um, you know, this goes back to the emphasis on on the family um, with a capital F. Well, I do want to say something that Yana had said, um, Yana Bennett. Um, I ended up finishing her book and, and I'm actually going to finish the other book because um, I think like what she said was interesting. She says that you're single in different periods of life. And I and I and I'm grateful that she said that because she says, well, you could be single after your divorce. Now you're single or your husband or wife died. Now you're single. So there's different periods where you are single. And I think that's a good way to see singleness, that it's not just oh, this is before marriage, there's, there's different periods of your life where you are single and how are you, and knowing your identity is key in all of those facets because you won't be put in a position, you, you, just, you just won't be put in a position where you're, you feel maybe obligated or pushed or maybe peer pressured into to getting married because of people and, media and the church or whatever the case and then being unhappy and I've seen that time and time again um but yeah I just like the whole point of that was just I I liked what she said about that just how there's different areas of your life where you are single right it's not just you get married and like I'm good (laughs) you know like now you could be single in 20 years or a year you know you just never know you just have and that's why me and Brittany touched on identity because identity is so key and literally in every facet of your life identity is so key so if you're good with your identity now no matter what happens in life you will just stay true to who you are no matter what amen yes Kim (laughs) (laughs) if there have been people listening to this and like these these women sound awesome this group sounds awesome how can people get a get involved more with a with single down with what you're doing yeah, um, so you can go on ForefrontNYC.com slash groups, scroll down, see Singled Out, click the little form, um, and you can join that way. Um, and we meet 
once a week on Tuesdays at 7.30. So once you join the group, you know, I'll immediately put you in so you you will automatically get the emails for, you know, the Zoom link and that kind of thing, so yeah. And if you are also thinking about joining but you're not sure yet, um, uh, Jim will put our emails in the description. Um, you can reach out to me, bcon818, that's B-K-A-H-N 818 at gmail.com. Uh, Kim, you are? Kimberly at ForefrontNYC.com. So you can reach out to either of them. You can reach out to both of them. Uh, they're both uh, delightful women. And Kim is also kind of uh, in charge of wrangling and coordinating everything for the, for the small group. So uh, Kim would email you one way or another if you sign up for a small group, because that's just, just her jam. I, I, we didn't really hit on it, but I think it's also a fun little note to, to point out of, I kind of like that you're recapturing this phrase of singled out because as, as a name or as a phrase, it sort of implies isolation and um, being a pariah. And the fact that you're trying to recapture, I'd be like, no, 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 no. We're, we're taking this back and we're reshaping this identity. I have to, I have to applaud both of you for that. So. <laughs> yeah. Cause it could, it could be mean, it could mean so many different things, right? That phrase, it could mean you're singled out for great work. Or you're singled out because you are different from the rest of us and you're over there. But yeah, we want to reclaim that and say, no, you're singled out to do great things. So let's, yeah, that's the point. That's great. Well, <laughs> uh, Brittany and Kim, uh, thank you both for just the, I mean, the work that you're doing for, I mean, God, for this church, for the community. And, and thank you for letting me be a part to kind of facilitate this conversation. This was, this was really great. And I hope it really uh, reaches a lot of people and kind of um, helps someone on a journey to wherever they're going to try and re, uh, re or embrace their identity and who they are. So thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this platform to talk. And hopefully this reaches people that need a community, a church home, and feel you know, some type of security or something, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good platform. Single does not have to mean alone. 